Have you ever heard of Simple Practice? It's an electronic medical record system, aka EMR, let's just say it for short, that is so user-friendly, even I can figure out how to use it. Seriously though, y'all, they made it so, so easy. There's so much customer support and tutorials. They made it much less daunting whenever it was just little me starting my practice. And also they make it super simple and convenient for you to be able to add therapists if you decide you ever want to grow. This was 100% instrumental in helping me when I was starting my practice. Using simple practice whenever I started my private practice definitely made the road, we'll just say, a little less bumpy. Check the link in the show notes to get yourself one free month of simple practice. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Speech Goods, a podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on this show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untamable parts of ourselves and our SLP careers, and how, despite the challenges of everyday life, have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job, to dusting off my big girl pants, sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee, and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now, I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything else. It was support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my why. In this show, I hope you find support and wisdom of your own. Today, you're going to get to hear from Ashley Denae Perkins, MSCCCSLP. Ashley received her Bachelor's of Arts degree in Communication Sciences and Disorders from Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Woot woot, home. There we go. She received her Master's of Science degree in Speech Language Pathology from the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Ashley is licensed through the Louisiana Board of Examiners for Speech Language Pathology and Audiology. She holds a Certificate of Clinical Competence from the American Speech Language Hearing Association. Ashley is the founder of Perkins Therapy Group, a debt free private practice, which was established upon recognizing the need for specialized speech, feeding, and oral facial myofunctional therapy in Eunice, Louisiana. Okay, I seriously want you to listen. There's like so many sneaking goodies in this episode. Like I know I say I'm excited all the time, but I guess that's a good thing. But I'm really, really excited about this episode. Ashley is a woman after my own heart. I felt like this whole conversation with her was just speaking my love language. She has a debt-free private practice. She talks about being a first-generation college-goer with no guidance. Uh, She even talks about some of the student loan debt that she accrued in undergrad and being able to cash flow grad school. She talks about buying her cars with cash and uh, again, a woman after my own heart. She gives us specific numbers about her net worth, financing her child's college education funds, and even getting through graduate school, cash flowing her home, even just on her husband's salary while she was in school. Okay, I'm not going to pause this and delay you any further for them this fantabulous conversation. Let's do the dang thing. Hello, 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 Ashley. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Super excited to be here. Yes, yes. Okay. We just had a whole long conversation. Everybody that's listening knows that I have these big conversations with people I interview before uh, <laughs> before, <laughs> before we actually press record. And then there's times where I'm like, man, I should have recorded the whole conversation because it was so good. So we're going to make sure to give you guys all the goodies today. And why I'm another reason I'm super excited to interview Ashley is you, you listen to her bio and all her fun stuff and all like the fabulousness things that she's accomplished and whatnot before, uh, before we started 
chatting, but also uh, Ashley is somebody who we actually don't live that far away from each other. We both live in Louisiana and she's someone that I reached out to uh, for questions and things like that when I was starting my private practice. So she's been like kind of like a mentor to me a little bit. So it's pretty, I'm really excited to have her on and she's just the bomb.com. So did I say I was excited? Did I yeah. Say that? Okay. Okay. No. Just making Think sure. So. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm more excited than you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ashley, uh, tell us about yourself. I know uh, you and I love to talk about money. So why don't you just give us some really good facts, your story uh, of just how you've gotten to where you are and especially what makes you so unique because you and your, your story, your career, your journey is very unique. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm Ashley. I'm a speech language pathologist in Eunice, Louisiana. I run a debt-free private practice. Um, My journey kind of got started with me realizing that I needed to go to college when I was the first person in my family to go to college. And so whenever I graduated from high school, I told my dad, I was like, hey, well, I need to move out. I need to get a house. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't even have a driver's license. So after I graduated, (laughs) I got my driver's license and I'm like, okay, I have to get a house to rent. I need to find a job and I'm going to college. But you know what? I didn't realize I was even going to college in the first place. So I didn't even know what that even meant. (laughs) So long story short, when I was in college, um, I went for a couple of semesters And then whenever I went to re-enroll for school, they told me that I had a hold on my account. And they said, you can't come back to school because you have money that you owe and you can't re-enroll until it's paid off. And so here I am, I was still 17 years old. Well, I just just turned 18. So I was 18 years old, I was told, that I needed to pay off this debt for school because I thought my college was being handled. Like I thought that, you know, we had enough to support like my family, I guess, had enough to support me going to school. And whenever they told me that I owed $1,700 and I was 18 years old, to me, I was like, oh my goodness, $1,700, like doesn't sound like a huge amount, but when you're 18 years old and you have no money, that's a lot of money. So what I did was I was thinking to myself, why didn't people talk to me about money growing up? Like, first off, why did I expect someone to pay for my college? I have no idea. That's what I was thinking back then. Second off, I was like, well, how am I going to afford to go back to school? And so I sat out of college for a little while. And at 18 years old, I saved up that money and I paid off that debt to the school. And then I re-enrolled in college again. And so when I re-enrolled in college, um, I took out some loans. I think it was the subsidized loans, not definite, but the ones where you don't necessarily accrue the interest when you're in school. And so whenever I was uh, going to school, I did take out some loans and I accumulated, uh, I think it was $15,000 of loans, student loans. But I made sure that whatever I was doing with those loans, I didn't spend more than I needed to. I just made sure I focused on spending it on school. Um, And so I paid, I pretty much 
would go to school, pay for the bare minimum, like to pay my rent, pay my water. I didn't do anything fun with my money that I had through those loans. Um, and so that's kind of how it got started with me being interested in figuring out how to get into this money situation because I didn't really know how to handle money, but I knew enough to know that I needed to pay off that debt to go back to school. I knew that I needed to be able to pay for college with the little bit of money that I got through those loans. Um, and for some reason or another during that whole time, I also had a, a credit card. And I don't know how I knew this, but I also knew not to spend money that I didn't have. So I would buy stuff with this credit card, like say $25. And I was listening to people like, yeah, you're supposed to build, build up your credit with this. And I'm like, well, I don't want to. Like, I do not care. I don't even know what this means. Um, but I have a credit card. I buy something for like 25 bucks and I pay it off. I mean, that doesn't really help with your credit or anything. But however, at the time, that's what I was hearing. Um, so long story short, canceled that credit card. Um, went to college, graduated with an undergraduate degree in communication sciences and disorders from LSU. Um, with $15,000 in debt, which wasn't bad because I made sure that the money that I got through those loans was used for what it was supposed to be used for. Thank you. You are getting waiter and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. going paying for like the super redonkulous, nice student housing with the pool and no. the aquarium no. and the study center. <gasps> you were like bare minimum. <laughs> bare minimum. Like I still wasn't the best with spending at the time, but some reason or another, I just understood that you don't do that. Um, that was your so, common sense. Common, that was your common sense. I guess like, that's what kind of got me. Somehow or another, my brain just kind of knew without being taught that it was not a good thing to do. And thankfully that worked out okay. Which worked out even better is that when I was at LSU, I met my husband and he was all in a Dave Ramsey. And I was like, oh, I mean, like, who are you listening to? Like, why, why are you listening to this guy? Um, and so whenever, that's kind of where our Dave Ramsey journey started. So my husband started, like, he was listening to the podcast all the time. I started listening to the podcast. Um, I graduated from LSU, that $15,000 in debt. Right after I graduated from LSU, I, we got married. We had to pay $5,000 uh, after, like, our family helped cover some wedding expenses. We had to pay $5,000 for our wedding um, before we can kind of get into our wedding roles and all that. Um, and I kind of jumped, I kind of jumped the gun right there. But before we got married, my husband made sure that we went through Financial Peace University. Mm -hmm. my, and, me and my husband did that too, when we were engaged, so, yeah. It's so funny, like when I really go back and think about the process of all of it, I'm, I think it was a great idea to do because me coming into it, even though I don't feel like I had as much financial knowledge as him, it still helped kind of bring us and put us on the same page. And so that's kind of where the whole financial journey began. Um, and so with Dave Ramsey, I'm sure, you know, like he says, your debts, like if you're married, it's y'all's debt. 
Was it? Uh, uh-huh. You become so, French. We, we, we paid it off together. Yes. Yes. And so we paid off that $15,000 student loan. We saved $10,000 for an emergency fund. We made sure that whenever I uh, was going to go to school, that we were going to cash flow graduate school as well. And so that was mm-hmm. a plan. So we made sure that whenever I started graduate school, we had been saving. And so we, it was 25, I think it was around $25,000. Could have been a little more. I didn't keep track of the exact numbers, but we cash flow graduate school when I was in it. I and you work. picked, did you pick, um, can you just uh, make a comment about like picking a school and picking a school you can, like, how did that work? Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. Yeah. So Whenever I had the opportunity to go to uh, graduate school, I, the first time around, the first time around getting into graduate school, I didn't get in. And so I told my mentor and she said, Hey, Ashley, I just want to tell you, and this is the first time I'd applied to graduate school. She said, I just want to tell you, you know, not that you're not competitive or anything. She said, but everyone's competitive. I think it's really good that you apply to more than one graduate school. And I was like, not, not, not cocky or anything at all. But I was like, no, it should be fine. Like, you know, everyone's competitive, but at the same time, you know, I'll, I think I'll get in. So I didn't get in the first round. And so whenever I applied to graduate school, the second time I got into like everywhere that I applied to. And so I did have the opportunity to go like, you know, to Shreveport and uh, Monroe and all that kind of stuff. But I chose UL. University of Louisiana Lafayette because I was living in Eunice. My commute was only to Lafayette, which is like 45 minutes away, not far at all. Um, I was already living in Eunice, so I didn't have to worry about getting another house. I didn't have to move. I didn't have to get a place to stay. We didn't have to relocate our family, like us. And um, so that's kind of how we chose because we didn't want to uproot what we were doing locally and in our in my husband's hometown um for graduate school and so yes I could have chosen the other route of you know relocating and having all the expenses of relocating but it wasn't in our plans we didn't Mm -hmm. want that extra headache yeah and so while I was working whenever I didn't get accepted into school the first time and while I was working we saved that money with the intention of using that money to pay for graduate school so you had a plan we had a plan yes even though even though it seemed far-fetched it didn't matter it was a plan and if our plan worked we were ready Mm -hmm. and that's where I was really happy whenever I got in I was like yes we can do this because Outside of the expenses of me commuting and cost of going to school, we can afford this. Now, I will tell you, I, when I was in school, I was very, um, I didn't dress trendy. I didn't have the nicest, like I had my hair simple like I do now, but you know how that, when you get stuck in those ways, you kind of stay living in those ways. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So when I was going to school, like I wore like a lot of the same, like, yeah, like yoga pants. And of course I'd wash them, but like, I wouldn't, I would, <laughs> I'd have on like, my yeah, little, let's just say dirty. <laughs> so dirty. I'd wear like my little sweatshirts, my yoga pants. I didn't have the cutest fancy hair because 
you know, when you're going through the debt-free process, you try and lean out some of the stuff that gets expensive for you. So mm-hmm. I made sure like I wasn't paying too much on my hair. I'd only get trams. <laughs> um, I didn't do my nails. I didn't have like an iPad. I didn't have uh-huh. anything that was in excess of what I could afford. Um, and a lot of people had cool stuff like that. But thankfully, I knew my goal when I was in school was to graduate with a graduate degree with no debt. Right. And, and so for uh-huh. me to have that, yes. Yes. And like that is, if that is your goal, because that's the thing, like if you if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. Exactly. If, if that's your goal, then when you're presented with these little decisions every day of, do I want to go get that coffee? Do I want to go... Do I want to go get lunch and buy lunch or do I want to just go home for lunch and make something at home that they already paid for? Do I want to order the, the oh my gosh, Fabletics is having a sale. Do I want to <laughs> order? Like it makes, it's, it becomes your measuring stick at that point. And you don't like all these other little decisions that I think can overwhelm a lot of people. Um, like those are already made for you. Like because oh, they're already made. Like it was yeah. not a big deal at all. Like, of course, at the end of the day, now you're like, oh, I probably would have liked to have done this. However, in that mindset, when you're in it and you're so focused on achieving that goal, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't care that I'm not eating the coolest, yummiest thing. It's nerf, it's nourishment for me. Mm-hmm. It's getting me through the day. I'm actually eating pretty healthy and taking care of my body um, within my means. Right. And so it was really cool for me to like reflect back now and see like how, how I lived my life and during that time, because I really was like sacrificing so much to make sure I got through school with no debt. And so whenever I graduated from graduate school, I did, I graduated debt free and that was debt free from graduate school. Yeah. Not saying debt free overall, but debt free from graduate school. And that was huge for us because we wanted that was a goal to cash flow graduate school. And so in line with that, during, during graduate school, we were cash flowing graduate school and we were cash flow and building a house. Now, whenever I say building a house, we, I have to laugh about this because we were building within our means. So we built like a, um, a smaller home and we, I still I have to laugh because when we were building it, windows were so expensive. And so we skimped. And so we have only a couple of windows, like within. Like you just put less windows? We put less windows because like we couldn't <laughs> afford them at the time. And so as we were building, and it, it cracks me up because still to this day, sometimes they're like, when are you going to build your real house? Because we built a shop house. You know, in Louisiana, that's a big thing. They are some awesome shop yeah. houses. One so of my husband's have, friends have one. I did not know you lived in that. Yeah, so we live in a shop house. And so for us, it was, we were enjoying, like it doesn't bother us that we live in a shop house, but it was so funny because we're like, we were skimping on all this stuff that people don't normally skimp on, but hey, we were living within our means mm-hmm. and that's the way we wanted it to be. And you and had so, a goal. We had a goal. So while we were cash flow in graduate school, we were cash flow in our shop house, $50,000 cash flow and on one income. Like, and my husband wasn't, he had already graduated with his bachelor's degree in civil engineering. However, when you just graduate as an engineer, you don't make the big books. I think he was making like 50,000 a year because he was an engineering intern. And it isn't until you're this intern for so long before you can sit for this exam to become a professional engineer 
So it wasn't until way later that he even got that higher income. So we were doing all this, paying graduate school, paying for the shop house, uh, cash flow and having a baby while I was in graduate school, um, all at the same time without taking out extra loans or anything like that. We were cash flowing life. Um, and so whenever <laughs> we were on this, we were on this journey, like knowing, Hey, we have all these things that we want to do. Um, and all these different opportunities that we want in the future, but how can we get there? And so I have to, I have to backtrack to talk about the debt that we did have because before we got married, before we got married, my husband had bought our land for our house. He had bought a portion of it. So he had paid $10,000 for the land. He had paid $10,000 as the down payment for the land. But our big debt that we had was $40,000 left to owe on the land. So while I was in graduate school, Cash flow in graduate school, cash flow in shop house, cash flow in baby, cash flowing our land. We were paying extra on that land, too, off of that one salary. And we were making it. We were making, we were, we were very slim pickings, but we were making it. And we had that emergency fund there to save us if we needed. Um, so it's kind of like, and that's not even like the full story of it. So, so whenever I graduated in 2015 with my master's degree, um, my husband really wanted a truck. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine with me. Um, and we had, we had the money to pay the whole lump sum for the truck. It was like $16,000. We had that money even though we had been paying all this other stuff off, we still had all this money in our account because it was normal for us to have a, a large baseline amount in our account. This was on top of your emergency fund. This is on top. Well, this, this was like, I guess, on a little bit on top of the emergency fund because it was in different accounts that we can pull in. Easily. Got you. Does that okay. make sense? Like easily access accounts? Yeah, I think because like we I know for Joe and I like we have our emergency fund, which is just mm -hmm. in our state. It's just we have like two different savings accounts. Like we have our emergency fund one that's yes. like we never touch. And then we have like one that's maybe more of a sinking fund. And that's for kind like, of like saving up. For, it was okay. like a, almost like within the same account. But we knew like this was for the emergency and this is for the, gotcha. the extra if we needed something. It's still like kind of like an emergency fund but not it's an emergency um, fund for the emergency fund the emergency that's the kind of girls we are <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's how we work so we paid cash eight thousand dollars on the truck we got wait listen we got a loan we got a loan on the other eight thousand okay okay because it made us comfortable mm -hmm. we paid that loan off eight thousand dollars before the first payment was due <laughs> You were, were you just like, I don't like having this payment over my head? No. We did it for comfort. No, the only reason we got that loan was for comfort. Uh -huh. it. We knew we could have afforded it. Look, we yeah. paid the we paid off that $8,000 loan before the first payment was due. 
we knew we could have afforded it, but for some reason, our bodies, our people, yeah. us as people needed some kind of safe comfort. And I'm not saying to do that ever. Right. However, for us, it worked. And we knew that we were holding ourselves responsible for paying off that truck before the payment was there. So wait, what made y'all... So like, I know, uh, I know y'all, y'all took out, y'all took out the loan. Cause it was like, I get it. Like, I just rather have my cash. It's a, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of an illusion a little bit. Cause it's like, you still owe the money, but you, but it's nice. It's like a safe security thing to have that cash. What made y'all decide to just go ahead and pay it off? Or did y'all just not like having the debt over your head or what was it? Well, we didn't like having the debt over our head, but when we got it initially, the loan for the truck, the extra part of the truck. It was just a safety net for our own sanity, even yeah. though we knew we could pay it off. Yeah. And we didn't even need the loan in the first place. It just gave us that safety, that feeling of safety, which to me is so strange that we would have even thought of that. But it helped us in that moment to feel, I guess, sane, because that was a huge purchase for us. I mean, yeah. I thought of stuff that we needed, a nice truck, or it wasn't really a fancy nice truck. It was like a 2007 Dodge Ram that he's wanted like his whole life. And whenever he had the opportunity and wanted it, we were like, well, we worked really hard. We're not saying we deserve it. However, uh, we do need you a vehicle. Yeah, And you had and, the money to pay for we it. Had like... the money. We just went the loan route and paid it off. Yeah. So that, that just, mm -hmm. that was funny for me, just knowing that we had got a loan on it for no reason. Well, that's such a great point though, Ashley, because I think when you pay cash for those things, you really feel, feel th yeah. there's a little bit of, there should be pain when you spend money. Like there should be that little bit of pain whenever you spend <laughs> it. And so like, but because many people are spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on yeah. a vehicle, but they don't feel that pain because they're not paying. They're not paying cash for it, or paying mostly cash for it. Like you can go get a vehicle for zero percent down now. Yeah, um, you might have like an eighteen percent interest rate and end up paying for the vehicle <laughs> twice by the by the end of the six years. But whatever. But I think that's so important to highlight that your buying decisions are so different whenever you pay for them in cash, like mm -hmm. 15 that like, I would definitely be like, just knowing myself, if I wasn't paying cash for my next vehicle, I would 100% go buy a 25 to $40,000 <laughs> car. Like that's something like, it's so funny you say that. Cause for my car, we're looking at upgrading within the next like two to three years. And we're looking at that, like $15,000 price point. And it's like, just like, y'all, it's like, okay, we, we've, we, we've set ourselves up. Well, we're contributing to retirement. We pay extra on our house. We cash flow everything. There is no logical reason for us not to be able to, to get this car once we save up for it, but it hurts. Yeah. It's like, it you really feel like I worked hard for that money, girl. Like yes, every <laughs> time. And that's the, so, that's the funniest thing about cash flowing life is that Whenever you know that you are committed to paying something, like if someone says, oh, you owe $10,000, you're like, take the $10,000 out of my account now. Yeah. Because it is no longer my money. Like, take it. Let it, yeah. let it be gone. Yeah. Because, because it's not how we work. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Like, once you get in that mindset of you are cash flowing everything within your life, you do learn to kind of just know, like, hey, if it's paid, it's being paid directly from the account. It's not coming from anywhere else. The money is not just magically appearing. I'm not going to go get it from the, the bank. 
we have to make sure that we're prepping our account for that. Like we're doing the saving to prep for that. And so long story short, we paid off the truck. Um, we had that baby that year, Michael, in 2015. So we funded his educational savings account, ESA, for the first time. That's a maximum of $2,000 per year. So we funded that. And then in December of 2015, we paid off, uh, finished paying off the land loan. And so in December of 2015, we officially became completely debt-free. Like we owned our house, we owned our land, we owned our vehicles, we owned just everything in our life. And so we were cash flowing from that point on. We were just kind of just cash flowing everything that would come our way we knew it was being cash flowed. And so in 2016, and this is going into a little bit of the private practice realm, in 2016, I landed my first private pay client through my business, Perkins Therapy Group. And that's where that private practice part kind of got stuck in my head. And I knew eventually that's probably the route I would go, but I wasn't ready then because I still had all these other things I needed to do. And we had a kid um, that I needed to make sure every, and we had this financial guidance for us of our future. And so I knew I couldn't jump the gun on that, but I knew I was starting to plan for it. I could find myself starting to research different things within that realm. And so that's where my brain started to go. Whenever I wasn't working at my full-time job, I was thinking about that future business. Because I knew I needed to be able to create the life that I wanted. Because, as I mentioned, my little boy was born in 2015. And so that's March 2015. In December 2015 was his first Christmas. And where was mom? At work. Oh, Why? Why? Because mom was obligated to work along someone else's guidelines. And Mm -hmm. so that's when it really, really hit home. Like I was working half a day, but still, I wanted to be home with my little boy on Christmas morning. We might've done Christmas night before, but on Christmas morning, I wasn't home with my little boy. And that's what made me super sad. Um, So I knew I needed to create some kind of change in my life to where I could accommodate my life along with whatever I created for myself work-wise in the future. So that was, my brain was starting to turn, like those wheels were turning. And I was like, how can I get where I need to be? Where I'm not obligated to work days I do not want to work on and no one will be mad at me for it. And so that's where I was starting to kind of look in the private practice route a little bit more. And so I'm kind of going to go over quickly, like some other things that we funded along the way, because I think it's fun to kind of see all the uh, money information and just kind of let you know, like all the things that we've kind of paid while we're doing all this. Um, So in 2016, we paid another 2000 to Michael's ESA. In 2017, we paid another 2000 to Michael's ESA. In 2017, we cash flowed having another baby. That was 2,500. That's Mila. So it costs a lot to have a baby. Um, and you don't realize until you go through the process of it. And if you like tracking money, 
and spinning how much he spin. That's why I know that number. I was first. like, I was about to say, I was like, she, this girl is on point. Like she knows how much her baby's cost. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. Like when you're going along the way and you're celebrating these victories though, you're like, Hey, 2,500 cash flow to baby. Like, Hey, that makes me happy that I could say I had a baby and I was not worried about paying for the cost of hospital, like a hospital fee after I brought my baby home. I wasn't worried about not working for a little while after I brought my baby home. I was okay because I set myself up. And so I think it's just fun to kind of know all these numbers and see what you are capable of doing if you allow yourself to be capable. If you allow yourself to kind of say, hey, these are my areas of weakness. This is what I need to really work on. These are my strengths. How can I use these to kind of accommodate that? And so we had Mila in 2017. We funded her ESA, her educational savings account in 2017. We cash flowed um, a zero turn lawnmower because we have 6.8 acres of land that we own. And so, you know, mama and daddy both have to cut the grass. So to get the grass cut in an hour and a half, mom and dad have to cut together to accomplish that. Um, So we cash flow to zero turn, $5,500. It was used because I'm telling you, a zero turn is expensive. Uh, Mm -hmm. And when you pay cash for it, you you realize how expensive it is. It was cash flowed. Everything's being cash flowed, y'all. 2018, we cash flowed Michael's ESA, 2000. We spent another 2000 cash flow in Mila's ESA in 2018. This is where this, I know this is going to be a big number for my vehicle. However, we cash flowed it. So in 2018, we got me um, a mama vehicle. I got me a used Buick Enclave. It's a 2014. So it was used. It was steel. The cost of it was substantial. Um, so it was like 26000 but with taxes, it was like $29,000 for this vehicle. Mm-hmm. However, I was in my head, it was justified. I still do not regret this, this buy for us because I love my bucket seats in the back for my two kids. And I'm not putting groceries under my kids' feet anymore. Yeah. And so for us, that was a big change. It was expensive, but we cash flowed it. <music> Well, and, and so you shouldn't feel bad about that because no, it's, it's all about in relation to your income, to your plan. Yes. Like there is nothing wrong. There's, absolutely. there's nothing wrong with that or no, absolutely not. But I didn't intend when I went there, I knew the vehicles that I was interested in. I didn't intend for it to be, um, more of that kind of vehicle. Like I was hoping to stay a little lower price range, but I knew this was our max and I pretty much hit the max. And so at the financial part of me was like, I really don't think it's worth it, but you know what? This is our travel vehicle and we're going to put some miles on it (laughs) because that's what I decided. We were like, let's make sure this is our vehicle. We're going to go on vacations in this vehicle. We're going to use this vehicle. We're going to make sure that we feel like we're getting the use out of it that we paid for. 
Um, and so we've done really well with using it. I'm super proud of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And I love that you mentioned, cause I think vehicles is a really interesting topic because I think people rationalize the purchase of vehicles that they can't afford. Yeah. And I, I really just want to highlight what you just like the mental process that you said you just went through because your rationalization for buying that vehicle is 100% valid. And you had the rationalization and it was a vehicle that you could afford, a vehicle that you had planned and saved up for. Yeah. I think what I see a lot is the rationalization for the vehicle, but like you don't have the money for it. So that that doesn't matter that you would use it mm-hmm. if if you don't have them, like you can't afford it. Like, <laughs> yes, a big house would be nice, but I can't afford it. So I'm yeah. not going to get it. So mm-hmm. I really like how like you had both pieces of that puzzle um, because a lot of people think, oh, I can afford the monthly payment. Mm-hmm. No boo, no boo. No, it wasn't about that. There was, no. I said, there's absolutely no monthly payment here. We're paying it outright. And yes. that's just the way that we live our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know how to see the other side of it anymore. Cause I'm not there. Yeah. And so, um, we got that vehicle, very great purchase when you have two little kids. And so that was in 2018. We cash flowed that vehicle in 2019 is when I officially started my business full time. Yay. It really seems like it's been a lot longer. It does. And I'm sure you feel that same way about yours, but it's, it's so crazy to me how, uh, it really hasn't been that long that we've been in private practice. However, 2019 started full time getting to create the culture that I wanted um for myself and so that that was a very cool time just because I knew that my life was changing I knew it was going to be different but at the same time I knew that I had a lot of control over how I was going to structure my business life in relation to my personal life because personal life to me is so intermeshed with your business life um And so whenever I switched over full time to private practice, it's one of it's it's one of those things where you have to create your private practice to be whatever it is that you want it to be. Not what I want for you or not what you want for me. However, whatever it is that you feel like you need. And so just because I'm sometimes I'm at work, say Monday through Thursday, doesn't mean I'm always seeing patients. Sometimes it means I'm getting unpaid stuff, which is through admin. Um, So it's just one of those things that I was aware of that when I was starting the practice. And I just knew that I I was okay with being the administrative person of the business and treating because I knew I couldn't afford to hire someone at that point. So I was responsible for, pretty much responsible for running the business Everything that goes through it, claims, like anything, billing, billing the families, calling the families, emailing the families, calling doctors, everything was on me because I knew I didn't have the money at the time to be able to afford someone to help me be me. And so that's kind of like where the business started. That was in 2019. Um, In addition to that, 2019, we had to fund Michael and Mila's ESAs. (laughs) 2000 per kid can't forget that um and then this is where the craziness comes in however 
<laughs> it's really not as crazy as it sounds. Um, but definitely don't do what I do. <laughs> so in 2019, and you have to, we're backtracking. So in 2015, we became debt free. In 2019, we became not debt free because me and my husband took it upon ourselves to make sure that we were trying to use, uh, we came in, okay, let me backtrack. We came into the opportunity to purchase two rental homes at a decent price for us based upon where we were currently in our financial situation. Um, we didn't, we got loans on it. And so we use this as an investment strategy to increase the return on our investments. But it was a, a, it was a riskier investment because you can put all your money in investments all you want. And it's not as risky if you're getting like an 8% to 10% return. Really? Yeah. Real estate is just a different, it's different. Real estate's different. It's uh-huh. different. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things to kind of worry about that's different. Um, However, so we became not debt-free. And so in relation to that, it's still good to remember that we still own like everything else in our life. We own the house, the vehicles, everything in our life is cash flow. The only debt that we do have are two rental properties, three bedroom, one bath each. Um, And so the total debt that we currently have is $48,977.58 $48,977.58 Homegirl has the number Ashley always has the number it's like this is she is my kind of girl I love the number yeah. and I, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because I, I want people to hear this um now even and when when you're like Ashley and I the idea of owing anybody anything just like when, when you don't owe anyone anything it's the most freeing feeling so when you at some point do owe somebody something, it's, it's, it, it just, it's this weight on you, which it should be a weight when you have debt. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when my husband and I purchased our house, like the idea of having a mortgage, even though it was a very uh, responsible decision, it was very much with it. We purchased a home within our means. Mm-hmm. It's still a weight, but mm-hmm. I want to highlight that y'all set yourself up to be able to take that risk. Y'all were at that point Mm-hmm. financial life to be able to take that risk on that investment. If y'all had car payments, debt payments on the business, if y'all had a mortgage that was half of your monthly income, like there is, it would have, it would have been an, an irresponsible decision for y'all to worry about. Like you ain't got to be worried about rental property right now. Like <laughs> your life is on fire. Right. But y'all set yourself up. And this is what I preach all the time. You know, when you set yourself up financially and this happened in my, in my life as well, when you set yourself up well financially and you make responsible decisions, you set yourself up to be able to take opportunities later on that you, that, like you didn't even expect or that you didn't even know was there. Like y'all knew, and we talked about this before we hit record, you knew that y'all were interested in real estate, but it wasn't like, you know, y'all didn't plan to do that in 2019, but an op, a really good opportunity presented itself. And because y'all had set yourself up irresponsibly, uh, y'all were able to put your money in that. And now you're able to get a return. Yeah, so that was a really big change for us from going from not having that debt to having that debt 
However, we plan out <laughs> what this would do for us financially. And so we calculated if both homes are being rented, rather than just having like an eight to 10% return on our investments, we'd be having a 30% return. Yeah. And so that's, that's the good, that's when you're looking at it when everything's gravy, everything's good. Now COVID hit. Mm. And so the rate of us and the profit decreased. However, the way that we have it set up is that as long as one home is being rented, it covers the cost of both mortgages and we still come out ahead. So we do you, not profit a lot. Right. However, we do not, none of our personal money goes to these homes. It's being paid for by the renter. So if y'all, so worst case scenario, which I'm, I know y'all already talked about, I'm sure y'all already had this discussion. Worst case scenario, if no one's running the homes, y'all could still afford to pay the mortgages. Cause first of all, y'all don't have a mortgage. Like y'all don't even have a mortgage. Yeah. So it's not like you're paying two mortgages. Listen how cheap. So we have, so you have to listen how cheap this is. This is why it's so funny to me. So if worst case scenario, no one was renting our rental homes. It's $189 per home per month. Like less than $400 total for us to have two brick homes with three bedroom, one bath each. That's, that's not wow. a whole lot of money. It's still money. No, I love, I love money. I mean, a dollar is a lot to me. But yeah. at, the same, at the same time, I have to say, if no one was renting our homes, $400 for us to cover two rental homes while we're cash flow in the rest of our life is not much because you know what? We'd be decreasing some of our personal expenses to accommodate that mm-hmm. expense. Right. So we plan, we plan for that. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's, what's so fun about, you know, making sure you're putting your money where you want it to go and kind of knowing what you're going to do with it in any scenario, because then you know how to react and you're not worried when something happens because you've already planned out the scenarios you've already planned out what you would do in these crazy instances um so that's kind of where we are with us having those that mortgage however it has been a good thing but personally I'm very more into uh I think investing is way easier just take (laughs) the money into Charles Schwab or wherever you want to put it, um, way easier than, than worrying about like the homes. I'm not saying I, I like real estate. I do. I think residential and commercial are so different. Oh yeah. 100%. So different. 100%. And that's a whole nother talk. Um, are y'all doing, are y'all interested in getting into commercial or no? Potentially if the opportunity in our area was here. Got you. Potentially, mm-hmm. because whenever, um, so whenever the hurricane came, we're not just worrying about our own home. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about the homes, the other homes and the families in those homes. Yeah. We're not just thinking about our family and our two kids and our other family members who live by us and friends. We're thinking about human beings inside these homes mm-hmm. and how are they? You yeah, know, uh-huh. people in the area, we're worried about them. There's a mm-hmm. hurricane and we're worried about them. Like anything that like that, it's, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint, like 
it's it's not as easy I find whereas business if you don't have the money you're like well your business it's not as personal to me right you're providing you're providing a home and I mean that's home. <laughs> yes. And that's something to think about. Like if you're going, if you want to become a, if you want to do rental property, like that's something you're dealing with human beings. Um, and also you need to have money. Like if the AC goes out, like you need to have money to fix that. Yeah. Yes, that's nothing. Exactly. That's <laughs> another thing. And so luckily with the way we set it up, um, we, everything's covered. We're, we're fine with the whole, uh, investment on those properties. Um, in the future, we don't know if we're going to keep them or not, but we know we tried it and at least we had the opportunity to try that. Um, and so that was in 2019, we got those homes. And then in 2020, I hired my speech language pathologist, my first one. And so that was different for me because initially I, I was going to set out to hire someone. And then I realized well, I don't know if I can find someone that's, uh, you know, that's, I guess what I, I need at my place because I, I enjoyed being by myself. I enjoyed running my own place. I enjoyed, um, you know, that time to kind of just do whatever it is that I felt I needed to do for the business. But whenever, uh, the SLP approached me, I thought it was the perfect opportunity to remember how I talked about culture so I thought it was a good opportunity to give someone the kind of life that I wanted through my job, but at my place. Yes. And yes. so that's where I really found a lot of happiness in being the change for that person to give them a safe outlet to learn, to love their job again, to be able to work doing the kind of work that they want to do. And then also to see the kind of clients that they want to see, because when they work here, I just make sure that we talk about, you know, just being very open about what, what do you want? Let's figure out how to get it. What, what is it that's holding you back? Let's figure out a way around it. Like, what can we do to help you be you? And so I actually have enjoyed having a, a speech therapist because going into multiple income streams I think it's a good thing to kind of have for overhead of my business so I don't need anyone to actually run my business other than me like I can bring in enough to run this business because that's how I've structured my business I run the debt debt free business and so I can bring in enough to structure it and run it solely through my income however whenever I had someone else come on another SLP that helps with overhead costs so yes she gets paid but a portion does go to overhead and so it's nice because that to me is another income stream for my business. And so I really enjoyed, uh, like I've, I've enjoyed having that different view, <laughs> I guess I would say, because like if I was on vacation and my SLP is working, then at least the business is still getting some money. It's having some cash flow within it. And yeah. so I think that's, I think that's been kind of fun. Like knowing you're on vacation and like, oh, the business is bringing in some money. I've never wanted, uh, and that's not the way I really look at it as though like, oh, I'm trying to make all this money off of you. Um, but I do like the idea of having those different income streams. And I think that's a way to do it if that's what you wanted for your business. Um, and so in 2020, hired my first SLP, 
course, we had the fun, Michael's ESA 2000, Mila's ESA 2000. Yes. Um, we had to fund all of those. And then I wanted to talk about, uh, so I'm a speech language pathologist and, you know, I'm very interested in like myofunctional stuff. Well, my little boy, Michael has pediatric sleep apnea. And so we've been going through the whole palate expansion and all that, but that's another expense I wanted to say because, oh, why not? Um, so the cost for Michael's phase one orthopedics, like his, uh, his mouthpiece, he had to have an upper expander, lower expander, $3,657.50. And this is important to know because, so we're cash flowing all this. And then my kid needed help. And if we didn't have that money, if we didn't have the funds to be able to afford to help him, then we wouldn't be where we're at. And that only way I feel like we're able to even get to this point is by making sure that this whole time we've been telling our money where to go. So whenever someone tells me I have to pay $3,600, almost $3,700 to help my child, I'm able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to me. That's fine. Uh, we're going to do it. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, like it's a no-brainer. Like, okay, I don't like the fact that I have to pay this much. However, if it's going to help my kid, I have the money and we're going to do it. Um, and so in addition to that, in 2021, and this is where, remember, we said we built small in our home, only could build what we afford, could afford. <laughs> so when we built it, it was one bedroom, one bath. Oh, Jay, and you've been having two kids in there? Wait, wait listen, so it's, it was 900 square feet, one bedroom, one community closet, community closet, one bath, kitchen, open floor plan. It was like 900 square feet on bottom. Not bad, but we have a loft up top that's used for like open attic storage. Yeah. So anyway, this small <laughs> She did air quotes for that, guys. <laughs> open attic storage. So... The floor, like 900 square feet really isn't that bad of square footage. However, when we built it, it was one bedroom. And so we have been co-sharing. Y'all listen to this, co-sharing a room with our children. Well, 2015 when we had our first and 2017, because we couldn't, we knew us as a family, we didn't have the money, even though we had been cash, we've been cash flow in life, even though we were debt free for a period. We knew we didn't have the money to add on to our home. Us personally, we decided against it until we were ready. So this is where I want to celebrate. In 2021, we added a new addition to our home. So we now have two extra bedrooms, two closets. They have their own closets, no longer community closet. And we have a bath for them to share. And this cost us $31,000 cash. Cash and, and cash flowed it. Cash flowed it because you know we wouldn't do it unless we could afford it. Uh-huh. So <laughs> that's where we are with like our per our personal uh you know finances in that realm. And then with the business in 2021, I finally thought I could afford someone, you know, like you said, a VA earlier, a virtual assistant, but she's not virtual, she's in person. Um, I hired my first administrative assistant 
for 16 hours per week because that's all I can afford her right now. And I was very open with her on the front end, like, hey, I can afford you at 16 hours per week, max. If I start bringing in more money, personally me, um, then I might need you for more. But at this point, I've always been very open with talking about money with them. Like if I can afford you, then I probably will request more time for, for from you if you are interested in it. Because over here, like at my business, I don't like people doing things they don't really enjoy. Like I want you to be doing what you enjoy. I want you to love what you do. Same thing for administrative assistant. Like tell me what you love doing. That's what we're going to have you doing the most time, like most of the time. Of course, there's a few things in there to where aren't always the most pleasing. However, at least I know they're being honest with me and I'm being honest with them. And so that's been really cool, like to have someone help me be me within the business. But that was a huge change because if you remember me talking about being able to afford it, that's that's where you'll know it was a huge step for me to know like, okay, I finally got to this point after pretty much two years solid of running this business all by myself that I've agreed for me taking on at least a couple of people extra per week to be able to afford this person. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've told myself that. Like, oh, if I bring in this much extra money, then I can have this person for this many hours. You did the math. I did the math. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, you know how much you make per session. Yeah. You know how much you want to pay an admin. Yeah. Whip out the calculator. Like, I tell people that all the time. I love that, Ashley. I love that. No, I really do like that way of kind of viewing everything. Because if you know what you can do with the money that you have, then you can do so much. You really can. And so in, in the grand scheme of all that, if you really want to get nitty gritty, I got total assets, total liabilities, net worth currently. And so currently our total assets is $432,626.93. That's our assets. And Everything 93 cents. Yeah, I went down. <laughs> I did my research for you. And remember, our liabilities, what we owe is $48,977.58. So currently, we're both 32 years old. Our current net worth is $383,649.35. And we are projected to be at $400,000 net worth by the end of 2021. Because we've set a goal for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like from here on out, we've been having all these cash flow expenses, like a lot of expenses. But other than funding our children's educational savings account, we don't have any more big expenses coming up. I mean, our our new addition to our home, that 31000 is the last that we have to pay. So everything that we're bringing in now through my husband, everything through me, we can save other than what it costs to cash flow our day, like our monthly life. Right. And our monthly life costs around like $3,000 max per month to cash flow our life. Are you getting a lot of money? Do you have kids in daycare? Okay. And this is which, oh my gosh, you made me just so happy. 
So we do have one kid in daycare right now, $484 per month. But listen, in August, or pretty much in a July, she'll be done with daycare. And that's just that much more money to be saved. Mm-hmm. Because when we had two kids in daycare, it was right under a thousand dollars per month. Mm-hmm. So in addition, this like I didn't even talk about our personal budget this whole time. But if you would think about all the extra expensive we have paid for that I didn't list in what we cash flow, we cash flow daycare, we cash flow everything in our life, all of our vacations, we've taken vacations, we've flown places with the kids, we cash flowed it. Everything that we've done, we've cash flowed. Were y'all investing um, in retirement accounts throughout this time as well? Yeah, so we've been investing into uh, 401k, like through my husband's work. Whenever I was working at a, whenever I was working at a full-time job for another company, we were investing, that was like 2015 to 2018, I guess. I was doing 401k through them. And then we've been doing um, like Robin Hood and then Roth, uh, Roth IRA. Okay. And you, you're, you're doing that through Robin Hood? Uh, Robin Hood. We're doing Roth IRA through Charles Schwab. Okay. And we're doing educational savings account, the $2,000 mm-hmm. per kid per year through Charles Schwab. Hey friend, are you a clinician looking into contract work, opening up your own private practice or any other form of self-employment? Maybe you're excited about the flexibility, increased income potential and overall quality of life awesomeness, but the idea of having to manage your own retirement taxes and a variable income makes you want to hide under your therapy table and never come back. (laughs) I promise I totally and 100% get it. I had the same reservations when I started my own private practice. I actually took a lot of time to research my options for retirement accounts, how I would even pay myself and the different business entities, what they meant, and even how taxes worked so the IRS wouldn't come for me in the middle of the night. Lucky for you, I've actually already done all this research for you and I decided to compile it into an interactive ebook slash workbook called The Money Guide for the Self-Employed Clinician. With this instant digital download, AKA you can get it like ASAP and you don't have to wait for shipping. I know, awesome, right? You are also gonna get access to my cash flow goal sheet, health insurance comparison chart. I even give you some examples of profit and loss. I go through taxes, different retirement account options, and even how to budget with a variable income and so much more. In one of the first reviews of the book, Marcia said, girl, never have I ever read a more informational ebook and an easy to read, non-overwhelming delivery method. Thank you for putting this out there for all the SLP private practice owners. So if you want to save yourself a lot of time and a little bit of anxiety, click the link in the show notes to get your own instant digital download. All right, let's get back to the show. Do y'all have an investment professional or y'all doing it? You're doing it yourself, right? We do it ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you're, and your husband's in finance. Well, he's a civil engineer. He loves yeah, no. finance. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a civil engineer, but he's been into like, I like anything financially related. He gets happy like us about it. Like he wants uh-huh. to talk, you know, talk a lot about it. Uh-huh. Um, so he luckily has that kind of uh, just understanding on how to approach all of that. So it really helps from like a financial analytics standpoint. Right. That helps us. That complements everything that we're already doing. 
And so I just think it's fun to kind of see, like, I wish I had that number with me, but our network just like two and a half years ago was not what it is now. And so I'm just like, this is crazy because we're, we're really trying to be more intentional these days. You know, whenever you get used to live in a certain way, you learn to live within your means. You really don't go and buy things crazy all the time because you've been living this way for so long. And so we know what our weaknesses are. We love like food and all that. So we know that's really like our area of trouble. However, even though we haven't been as intentional with saving because we've been so good about living this lifestyle, we have no choice but to save. It just happens. Yeah. There's so a when we're being really intentional, it's crazy how much extra we're saving. And so that's where it's like, I have been really inspired by you and your movement, you know, just kind of like making sure that we're all kind of understanding like this financial part. Cause you know, even whenever you're already in your own financial journey, it's still good to have people like you, like keeping us inspired because we all need a little inspiration along the way, no matter what point you're at. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much money you have. I feel like it's always good to be inspired by somebody. (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. And then just like that level of like, and I love what you said about it just becomes your normal, like, and just, and having, having money talk in your life becomes your normal Yeah, and having, excuse me listening to money podcast or mm-hmm. listening, listen to me rant and ramble all the time. On <laughs> like it just becomes part of your normal and it becomes part of what you talk about, especially with your spouse, like something, you know, everybody listening, think about how much like time her and her husband have probably spent together at the kitchen table, doing math, doing numbers, like how, and just, and, and the level of, of contentment that you have in life. Like it take to live within your means takes, and and everybody has different means, but it takes a certain level of just being content with, with who you are, where you are in life, who you're, who you are and who you're with in that Mm -hmm. area of life. Um, and before I release you, can, can you just comment on that? Like that level of contentment and and patience because I get a lot of questions in my DMs from people who are who are become discouraged. And I think we I have, and I just discussed this with Olivia Kane a couple episodes back about how we really want quick results. But to be successful with money, you're not going to get quick results. And you have to learn like that patience and you have to learn that contentment. And eventually it just becomes part of who you are, which has clearly happened with you. So like, yeah. can you can you comment on that a little bit? Cause like you girl, y'all patient, y'all patient as heck. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, it's really like a, I've been in this mindset for so long now that it's, it's hard for me to, I don't even know if I can think outside of it, but it's so normal for us to, if we can't afford it or it's not in our budget, like we don't mind telling people no. And we don't care if they think we have no money to our name. Like we can't afford it. If we say we can't afford it, we mean we can't afford it, but we, we might have savings. We might have all these investments, Mm -hmm. but the only way to get where we're at is to say, Hey, this is what we're spending. And if we don't have that money in there or no wiggle room, 
then we just have to take it upon ourselves to not worry about what someone says when we say, oh no, sorry, we can't afford it this month. But if you tell me ahead of time next time, I'm going to budget for it. And we're going to, we're, we'll go meet y'all. Like, I don't, like, if you give us an idea of like when we're going and I can look up about how much it'll cost, well, then you know what? The next time I sit down and do my budget, I'm going to make sure I put you in there. Not saying we can't incorporate those things on like a regular basis, but to get to this point, it took a lot of that. Just not ever worrying what someone thinks about where you're at. And you just know, and it's so funny inside your head, like no one would have any idea. Like we are where we are because we like we don't project ourselves like that. We are just so comfortable with no like feeling like we have little. We're just so comfortable with being who we are, saving money, not spending more than we make, and not worrying about and comparing ourselves to others because everyone's story is so different. And I think that's been the biggest thing for us is just making sure that we're never comparing our progress to someone else's because what has happened in our life hasn't necessarily happened in someone else's life. And so we're not trying to live up to anybody. We're trying to live up to ourselves and our own expectations for ourselves. And so that's why I've, I feel like I've gotten so far within like being able to do this business the way that I want it to be running this debt-free business because of the way we have structured our personal life. If you can find a way to say no in your personal life and really tell your money to, where to go in your personal life and live within your means within your personal life, if you want that business life and you have your personal life set out like you have wanted it to be because you worked hard for it, then whatever business idea you dream up, you can do it. You can be where Janelle is. Like you can be doing these things that you have set out to do if you take control of your personal life because your business life is directly impacted by your personal life. 100, 100. And if you, if, if things are not, if, if, they, and I, I say that all the time too, like if you got a whole lot of just crap in your heart and your soul, like it's really hard to start a, starting like a successful business. And in this culture, I mean, even what you said, like creating a culture around your business, if you, if you live a life of, okay, I, I, I have to just, I have to get what I can get because I'm never going to get something again, or even living a life. I think people think that those of us that think about our money live this life of deprivation. No. But like, no, I, I like my life. I just got back from vacation. Like, I like Disney. <laughs> oh, see, oh, this girl's cash flow in Disney, everybody. People think that that's impossible, by the way. <laughs> but it's just so important. And that, that is why like money is so important because it, what your treasure is where your heart is. And yes. if you're planning where you're putting your treasure, you're planning where you're putting your heart and your goals. And it just goes back to everything. It goes back to not caring what anybody else thinks because you have a goal because you ha you know where your heart is and you have a goal. It goes back to deciding if I want to go to Starbucks this morning because I have a plan. I have a goal. I know where my heart is. It goes back to, am I going to hire someone in my private practice? Okay. Does that fit with me? Okay. I have, I have, I know where my heart is. I know where I'm going to put my treasure. Can I afford to hire an admin? Like it just goes like into literally all of the things that you just said. And it's so empowering. Like, and you were just such a great example of 
how the, there's a lot of power in the numbers. And I think so many people are afraid of the numbers because it's like the monster in the closet. If, if you don't, how do, how do you get a kid to not be scared of the monster in the closet? Yeah. Yeah. You, op- you open the door and show them that <laughs> it's empty. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so like, there's so many people that message me, they don't even know how much student loan debt they have. Mm-hmm. Well, how, like, how the heck are you going to pay it off if you don't even know how much you have? So just like this idea of just doing it on purpose and also realizing that you, you may need to sacrifice for a short amount of time yes. to get where you want to get. Now, question for you, Ashley. I swear I'm going to let you go. Now you like cash flow in grad school, having a baby in grad school, girl, seriously, I'm going to just send you a superwoman cape right now. (laughs) Um, I can barely take care of myself, my husband and the dog. And I have a really easy dog to take care of. Like she's so low maintenance, but anyways, uh, do you live the same? Uh, like, do you have, do you live the same like financially, like kind of penny pitching now as you did when you were in grad school, like just scratching and clawing to get through? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. You know, like we have these ideas in our head. We're like a minimum of three vacations a year as a family, Mm -hmm. cash flowed family, like family vacations that are being cash flowed. We have these ideas of what we're going to do. And yeah, during the week, we live our life like you would think we have no money. We like (laughs) bowl eggs for breakfast and we drink coffee from our house. And I eat a sandwich and a bag of chips sometimes at lunch. Uh, like, and we eat supper at home. We cook. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. we go out to eat and all that too. But at the same time, our general normal life is lived like we don't have any money. But we're not, we don't feel deprived because we know like this weekend, we know we're going to be hanging out with fr- like a friend and we're going to be spending some money. So it's okay because we sacrifice. We're still sacrificing. We sacrificed all week. But this weekend, we get to enjoy ourselves because we sacrificed all week. So, yeah, like we still live more frugally, I guess, if you would say we don't spend outside our means. But at the same time, we're still getting to enjoy like we're enjoying our money. Yeah, we are enjoying what we have because we work so hard to be where we're at and we're still saving. But we're also still spending on what makes us have the life that we want. Right. Like you're spending intentionally, like instead of spending money on takeout Monday through Friday, I'm going to cook and then I can spend my money and then I can save that for my Disney vacation with my kids. Or I can save that for girl. I'll tell you, me and Joe are getting crawfish this weekend, even though it's still (laughs) expensive. If any of y'all are from here, crawfish is like, it was like five ninety nine a pound Easter weekend. And I was like, I can't do it. But this weekend, I'm, we go get us some crawfish, even though it's expensive right now. Girl, enjoy. Yes, yes because because you're doing it intentionally. And I love like, notice that she said, guys, she didn't say a maximum of three vacations a year. She said a minimum of three <laughs> vacations a year. That does not sound deprived to me. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just We're saying. not deprived. And so, you know, in addition to all this, creating the life that you want, creating the work that you want. I don't have to make a lot of money in my own business because our personal life is so cheap. Mm -hmm. And you've set it up that way. I've set it up that way. And so that's another thing. You don't have to bring in all this money if you have a personal life that you've set up to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. Right. 
then that, that's such an interesting concept. I, I'm still, uh, I just finished up reading The Next Millionaire Next Door. And that was something they discussed is this idea of like the living within your means and then deciding what your means are. So like, I'm knowingly going to, if for whatever reason, if I'm going to make less money, well, I'm just going to live on less money and how they, they actually call it a income statement affluent where, uh, the people who are high income earners, but their level of consumption is so high that they never get ahead financially. Mm -hmm. So like every time they get a raise, they, they get the more expensive car or whatever, or they move into the expensive neighborhood. So that's what, that's the term income statement affluent. And so that's just such a, that's such a good, it's just such like a good discussion. Everybody, we're going to have a part two. Uh, I already, me, I already decided for Ashley <laughs> and commandeered her time, even though she like didn't, even, I didn't even ask her. I just demanded it. <laughs> a part two for this, because there's just so many other amazing conversations to have. And before I keep saying before I let you go, but it's been like 20 minutes, but <laughs> I don't want to take up all of your time, but, but before I let you go, is there any like last last things that you want to share, uh, with everybody before, um, before we wrap it up today, like this, your story is just amazing. I love it. Yeah. So I would just make sure that you're following speech goods and <laughs> that you should tell other people to follow speech goods because you have all the good financial content and you're very inspiring. And I really love this movement that you're doing And Everyone live within your means. Figure out what your means are. Figure out what your means are, not my means. Your means. Yes, yes. And go from there and talk about it. Be open about it. The only way to improve something is to talk about it. And so that's where we need to start. Yes, yes. And Ashley, where can they find you? Like on social media, Instagram? And I'm going to include all of this in the show notes too. But yeah, a good place to find So you? you can find me on Instagram, Ashley Danae Perkins. A-S-H-L-E-Y-D-A-N-A-E, Perkins. And then I'm um, at Perkins Therapy Group. And also have a website, www.perkinstherapygroup.com. Have a lot of little like goodies on there. Um, if you know people need different therapy recommendations, like for a therapist in Louisiana, I have some recommendations on there and I have some different resources that you can look into. Um, you can find me on Facebook too. I love it. Love, love, love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so thank you so much for coming on today. This has just been the biggest joy and pleasure. Like I love when people share numbers, like you're my kind of girl. Thanks uh, and for having me. I love sharing them. Cause you know what? It lives in our heads and we never get to talk, th- talk about numbers with anyone else except for money people. Mm-hmm. And so it's so fun being able to share what you can do for your life. If you take control of it. Yes. And y'all have accomplished so much. Like it's, that's absolutely incredible. But now, and you've set yourself up for so much success, like even in the future and for opportunities that you don't even know are coming, uh, but setting yourself up and kind of creating fertile ground to be able to plant those seeds. If you, if you decide to, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do. So mm-hmm. oh, this has been the best guys stay tuned. We're going to definitely have a part two. Um, shoot me a DM. If there's anything in Ashley's story that particularly like stuck out to you, uh, that you want to hear more about. Cause like I said, I'm going to, I'm demanding time for her, from her <laughs> for a part two. Cause we still didn't talk about all the things, uh, shoot me a DM. If there's any questions, uh, any specific questions that, uh, are topics that you'd want us to address. Uh, But I will let you go, Miss Ashley. Have a fabulous, fabulous day. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye. 
Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. Be sure you are subscribed so you can continue to get more no fluff content from me. And I would really appreciate it if you took a small amount of time to leave a review for the podcast. It really helps to boost it in the search engines and ratings, and it allows me to continue to produce this content for you and get this message out there to other SLPs and healthcare professionals. And as always, happy wealth building and go do the dang thing.